welcome to the LMI podcast. This episode is the penultimate one in our series looking at cross-cultural mission in the book of Acts. In this episode, we're considering the activities of the Apostle Paul and his team in what is often called his second missionary journey. I'm going to be focusing on Acts chapter 16, verses 11 to 34. But before reading this passage, it's good to remind ourselves of the context. Following Paul's first missionary journey and trip down to Jerusalem, he parted ways with Barnabas and was joined by Silas in order to return to the places where he had preached and planted churches previously. We can read about this in Acts chapter 15. After some time travelling and stopping at various places, Paul and his team were redirected by divine guidance, having received what has come to be known as the Macedonian call, a vision in the night which is recorded for us in Acts 16 verse 9. The telling verse in response to this vision is found in Acts 16 verse 10, where Luke, the author of Acts, notes the following. Immediately we sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So we're going to pick things up from this point, beginning to read at verse 11 through to verse 34, and I'm reading from the English Standard Version. Acts 16 verses 11 to 34. So, setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace, and the following day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained in this city some days, and on the Sabbath day we went outside the gate to the riverside, where we supposed there was a place of prayer, and we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia, from the city of Tyatira, a seller of purple goods, who was a worshipper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul, and after she was baptised, and her household as well, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. As we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and us, crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God, who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. But when her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And when they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, These men are Jews and they are disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in attacking them, and the magistrates tore the garments off them and gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. 
When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. And he was baptised at once, he and all his family. Then he brought them up into his house and set food before them. And he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. Wow, what an incredible turn of events. God was certainly opening doors for his man and his message in Philippi in more ways than one. So let's take a closer look at what we've just read and then we're going to consider how this passage might inform the task of cross-cultural mission today. In our introduction we highlighted the prompt obedience of Paul and his team to the vision that they'd received from God. After reading about their voyage at sea, we're told in verse 12 that the team went to the influential city of Philippi, where they remained for some time. We don't know what the time from their arrival in Philippi to the Sabbath day mentioned in verse 13 involved. It may well have consisted of rest, of research or prayer, all of which would be important for the missionary team on their journey, but we don't know. What we do know, according to verse 13, is that they saw the Sabbath day as an opportunity to make contact with the locals. Now, in most instances, Paul's primary activity in a new place was to visit the synagogue and make early inroads for the gospel message among the Jews and God-fearers present there. It seems as though the Jewish presence in Philippi was small or even non-existent at this point, as no synagogue is mentioned. Instead, the team looked for an appropriate alternative, described as a place of prayer. Now, this certainly seems to have been a good strategy, as the missionary team meet a group of women there to whom they spoke. In verse 14, we're introduced to one of their number, a God-fearing businesswoman named Lydia. In the account given about her by Luke here, we can see God at work in her life, through the missionary team and the message Paul shared. God opened Lydia's heart, and following her baptism, she opened her home to Paul and the team, providing hospitality for them during their stay in Philippi. The next part of the narrative places the team returning to that riverside spot in verse 16, presumably with intentions to once again share the gospel message. However, this time we are told of the opposition they encountered. No doubt concerned by the progress of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of darkness retaliated. And we read in verse 17 about a slave girl severely under the influence of evil who began to disrupt and disturb the team and their endeavours. Apparently this had been going on for some time according to verse 18 and it prompted a direct response from the Apostle Paul. He put an end to this disruption by commanding the evil spirit to come out of the girl in the name of Jesus Christ. This was not the end of the opposition however as the next few verses explain. Noting the negative financial impact that stemmed from the girl's newfound freedom, the slave owners grabbed a hold of Paul and Silas and stirred up the crowds against them in a move that saw them beaten and imprisoned. Opposition had quickly turned into persecution. 
Now, despite their beatings and imprisonment, we read in verse 25 that Paul and Silas prayed and sung songs of worship to God, which did not go unnoticed by their fellow prisoners. Perhaps the reality of Jesus' teaching from the Sermon on the Mount had hit home with them. For we read these words in Matthew 5:11 to 12 Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And this was certainly not the normal response of prisoners sent to a jail cell. And what happened next certainly wasn't normal either. Verse 26 tells us of a great earthquake which practically rendered the jail useless, with the doors flung open and everybody's chains loosened. Waking from his sleep and seeing what had happened, the jailer found himself in what he thought was a hopeless situation, reasoning that the prisoners must have escaped given the circumstances. He must have feared the reprisals of his masters and was about to take his own life. And it is at this point that Paul intervenes by alerting the jailer to the fact that everyone was still there, as recorded in verse 28. In verses 28 and 29, we see another open door of opportunity. Having had the earth-moving experience of hosting prisoners who worshipped God, the jailer asks Paul and Silas, what must I do to be saved? Paul's response is Christ-centred, calling for faith on the part of the jailer for salvation. A message that not only he, but his family should hear. And they do, as verse 32 shows. Now, as we can see from the end of our reading, the impact was incredible. The jailer and his family received baptism. He demonstrated care and concern for Paul and Silas. And he, along with his family, were full of the joy of their salvation. Now, having considered these events in Philippi, how might what we've been thinking about here inform the task of cross-cultural mission today? Well, very briefly, we're going to highlight five things. But as you consider this passage, over time, you will probably make many more insights. Firstly then, at the beginning of this podcast, we mentioned the divine direction of these events, as Paul and his team received the vision of the Macedonian call. Did you notice how they responded to the course that had been set for them by God? They displayed obedience and wisdom. They went into the district of Macedonia as directed and made the leading city of Philippi their base. When we think about it, it was a wise and strategic choice as cities are full of people, of influence and of opportunity. And this team has a message to share. Having gotten to grips somewhat with their surroundings, we read how they looked for an appropriate place to make meaningful contact with people in order to share the gospel. This record of events is insightful for cross-cultural mission today, isn't it? In commissioning his disciples to go into the world and make disciples of all peoples, the great task of mission was given by the Lord Jesus. Consequently, the course was set for followers of Jesus today. We too must respond with obedience to the divine direction that has been given. And we must do so with wisdom. Our task is to make disciples of all peoples by sharing the gospel. Let us then consider how to identify opportunities to do this. Let's be strategic as we think about centres of cultural influence and where there are peoples who have never heard the good news. Secondly, 
Having strategically identified good opportunities for their message, we observed in this passage how gospel-centred and Christ-shaped their message was. Do you remember Paul's response to the jailer? He said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Such a message of unique and exclusive truth swims against the tide of pluralism and other religions in the world today. And yet this is the only message of salvation. Because Jesus is the only means of salvation. He alone is the way, the truth and the life. This is the indispensable truth that must be at the very heart of our message, which all people must hear. Thirdly, as we respond to the command of the Lord Jesus Christ to make disciples, we must do so knowing that we will be engaging in a spiritual conflict. We saw an example of this when Paul and his team shared the gospel in Philippi and they were plagued by the disturbance and disruption of the evil influence that was at work in the slave girl. Praise God that the victory is with Christ. May we press on in this spiritual warfare aware of the battle making full use of the spiritual armour of God, which he has provided. Take a look at Ephesians chapter 6 in your own time to learn more about that. Fourthly then, we read about opposition and persecution in Philippi, which Paul and his team had to endure. The reality of cross-cultural mission today and taking the message of the gospel to places and peoples who've never heard is one that is by no means free from the potential of similar experiences. When we follow the Lord of Lords and King of Kings, we must remember that he is also the suffering servant who causes disciples to pick up their cross and follow him. That said, we should not be surprised if suffering and difficulties of some sort accompany our disciple-making endeavours. There may well be opposition and persecution along the way, but let us keep the eternal perspective in mind, like Paul and Silas, who worshipped from their prison cell, perceiving their heavenly reward ahead of them. Finally, and linked to that last point about perspective, let us consider the great impact and importance of carrying the message of the gospel to the lost. Just as Paul and his team encountered many open doors for their ministry as God led them, we too may meet with open doors on the other side of our obedience, engaging with those who will respond in repentance and faith to the good news. What a privilege! We didn't read the end of Acts chapter 16 today, but if you do, you will see that after Paul and Silas left prison, they visited Lydia, saw the brothers and encouraged them, and then departed. Now what does that show us? Well, it tells us that a church had been planted in Philippi. There was fruit for Paul and Silas's labours. And of course, we know that Paul wrote to the church at Philippi sometime later, in a joy-filled letter that became part of the New Testament in the Bible. That visit to Philippi certainly had an incredible impact. We too may be used of God to great effect, seeing lives become transformed by the Lord Jesus Christ as people respond to the sharing of the gospel. Who knows? One thing's for sure, if we never go, we'll never know. Well, with one final episode in this particular series looking at cross-cultural mission in Acts, where we'll join Paul in Athens. So do look out for that in a future podcast episode. Now, if you've enjoyed this podcast and if you'd like to study God's word further, you can join many others around the world who are benefiting from LMI's free distance learning programs. To do this, simply enroll online at our website to begin. Now, for more information about Logos Ministries International 
and our work of reaching the lost and motivating for mission around the world, please do visit us online at www.lmi-org.net. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram using the handle LMI underscore connect or find us on Facebook by searching for Logos Min International. Well, thank you for listening and do join us next time on the LMI podcast.